massive thank you to Matt, Tamar, and Robert for donating on Patreon this week. Seriously, guys, I appreciate it. It is listeners like you who allow me to prioritize this podcast, get them out to you on a weekly basis, and track down guests like Carlos Berlay. Carlos and I sat down with a glass of wine at my house in Santa Cruz, California. Um, he had just surfed the big swell at Mavericks um, in late January and was taking off to go to Nazaré in Portugal, um, where he surfed his last event ever uh, on the Big Wave World Tour. So special timing to be able to sit down with this guy and interview him. He is a legend of the sport. Um, back in 1998, he won the first uh, Big Wave World champion uh, Championship at Toto Santos. Um, he, in 2000, I want to say 2001, he surfed the biggest wave ever at that point, paddled, paddled into the biggest wave ever at that point at Mavericks, which got him a spot in the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, in 2010, he won his second Big Wave World Tour title. Um, and just a couple years ago, he was towed into what some say was the largest wave ever surfed. He's a fucking badass, and uh, he's got quite a story. Um, and it was it was really cool. He's very unpretentious, and English is also his second language. So it was... Uh, it was brave of him to, to hop on a podcast um, and talk shit for an hour with me, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, if you enjoy it too, be sure to get in touch with Carlos. He's on Instagram, um, and if you want to get in touch with me, as always, you can head over to my website, kyle.surf. So let's get rocking and rolling on this thing. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with professional big wave surfer, Carlos Berlay. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. And we're on. We are on. Carlos Brule in the house. Thank you so much for the invitation, my yeah, friend. Yeah, we're uh, having a nice glass of wine, and we're getting right into the, the juicy content. Mm -hmm. um, well, we were, So we were just talking about the legalization of marijuana in California mm -hmm. and other drugs, mm -hmm. and what would potentially happen if other drugs were legalized. Mm -hmm. So I cut you off mid-thought. Well, um, for me, it's very important to have the freedom to put out what you are feeling. Drugs, they were always around our civilization. Since we start to know ourselves as uh, human beings, we have a tendency to, to get out of our normal conscious, you know, right. to, to see life with, with a different way with a different way and, and drugs they facilitate that they help us to relax relax our muscles to relax our thoughts or even to to be able to see life with a different and an open vision and 
that's it's a, a, a really important point of view. But for me, more important than that is when you get to legalize the drugs, you are often everyone else, everyone out there that is trying or having a sex or because drugs is here. It's all in all public schools, all kids, you know, I was a teenager, you were a teenager, not a teenager, I'm not a teenager, you know, I'm 50 years old, and, but I went through so many things in my life, so I know that drugs, they exist, and they still exist, they, they, they will be in our lives for many times yeah. still, you know, so it's so hard for us to deny that. You know, it's not good at all, you know. I'm not talking about the positive side of drugs. I'm not talking about the side effects of drugs, how how good will be that we, if we legalize drugs, we're going to take, you know, we're going to take to control. It's going mu- to be much better for us to... to Educate people. To educate right. people, to keep all the the dealers away. Sure. You know, the... the the power that comes around it. Yeah. Well, but there's more education. Like, if you look... So, in Louisiana right now, they don't teach sex education in most schools. Mm. In New York, they do. Yes. L- Louisiana has a much higher teen pregnancy rate. For sure, because As they are not aware. And, and Exactly. So They don't I th- talk about the... Ju- we don't talk there. about this. Exactly. Yeah. So, that I, th- I think that if we can... Um, have a more grown-up perspective on drugs and understand that there are and some... And sex And also. sex, yes. And, and everything else that surrounds our life... Yes. ...that we think all the time, but we are afraid to talk about it. Exactly. And I think that the pr- like a problem right now is that we just say drugs are bad, right? Mm-hmm. And we're still, we're still coming off the end of the just-say-no uh-huh. generation. And right now, legally, um, substances like mushrooms are in the same category as heroin. So if you're caught with a bag of mushrooms, you can get the same prison sentence as if you're caught with methamphetamines or heroin, drugs that you know. W- I'm sure we've, I've had, I'm sure you've had friends who've destroyed their lives with these, mm-hmm. with more addictive drugs. Oh, it's there, you know, yeah. we have to talk about it, you know, it's destroying my nation too, it's destroying Brazil, you know, we have a, a huge amount of people that are right now uh, addicted to meth in is, Brazil. Is meth in big in Brazil right now? Really big. And it's a huge problem, you know. And as well as a cocaine and heroin and marijuana, it's illegal there still. And we have a huge power, stronger than the government power, because they have money, money from drugs, from being a dealer, big dealers, you know. And if you legalize that, you're going to be able to control. But more important for me is the fact that drugs is everywhere. And everybody has access to drugs. And everybody wants to know about drugs because it's a subject that belongs to our society, belongs to our culture. Alcohol is a drug, but it's free, it's legal. Tobacco is also a drug, and it's free, it's legal. And we don't know how to use them well. Yeah, a lot of people destroy their lives from alcohol. And from tobacco also. Yeah. <laughs> and for other drugs too. And for over consuming a lot of things that are free. But when you want to hide something, when you want to hide or you want to take people away from things that they use because they think that it's okay, you are creating a, a much higher risk. Like you just said, in Louisiana, they don't teach the 
teenagers about sex, yeah. and in New York they do. So you are creating a higher, much higher risk of getting a lot of uh, teenagers' pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the violent crimes, as you were saying, like you, when you have, um, when you give so much power to the black market, then there is inevitably going to be corruption in government, which ca it can result in um, a lot of really sad outcomes. Like there are a lot of countries like Mexico right now that is completely controlled by the cartels and the people suffer as a result of that. I know that because we have that in Brazil. Yeah. You know, we got some areas in Brazil that are not controlled by the government. They are controlled by the dealers. They rule the whole thing. You know, even the country, they have a lot of money, you know, so they can buy the politics. So they have a lot of power, parallel power. There are even bigger than the government powered. What part of uh, Brazil did you grow up in? I grew up in northeast of Brazil, and but I had to leave my town, my hometown, and go to southeast of Brazil. That's where the surf was much um, bigger, and we had more infrastructure in terms of events and also sponsorship and media. So I I've tried to come back to m my hometown a few times, but I couldn't. I couldn't just because it was impossible to be a professional surfer and to to be where I am. If I if I wanted to be where I am nowadays, I have to. I had to really move to southeast of Brazil. But just to complete that sentence yeah. about you know being honest with yourself and be able to talk about things that people in back on the times and they should never talk about it because it was forbidden because you're not supposed to do because you had to have these manners you couldn't act this way and you know being religious or any kind of values or prejudice or ever we are coming to a point in our lives now that it's the other way around it's the other way around people they have to put out the emotion they have to take the mask out. They have to be able to know themselves and be able to have enough courage to show the emotions. And drugs, they are there. But I'm not doing an apology to drugs. I'm not saying go out there and try drugs, smoke marijuana, or take mushrooms, or whatever. No, I'm not saying that. Just be able to talk about it. Just like you can talk about sex, how much you think about sex every day, how much you think about friendship, how much you think about education, how much you think about anything, any other subject in life. We are all the same. And sometimes we just screw up our lives because we think that, that we are very different from each other. We are not different. We are the same. We all have our flaws. We all have our uh, doubts, our challenges in life. And I just wrote my biography. I turned 50 and, you know, I started to do this project three years ago and I had these thoughts in my life. And, you know, I have this image in Brazil because I'm a surfer and I'm a well-known surfer in Brazil and people think that, you know, I have a perfect life. You know, he's married, he has two kids and they're all healthy and he has sponsors, a TV show and everything. So... People create an image, and I didn't like that. 
you know, that hurt me a lot, you know. And I wanted to throw out things on my book that I knew that for me would be very important, would be like a, a psychologist work because I'm just like everybody else. Like I said to you, I have all my flaws. So I put everything on the book that... Do you talk about drugs in the book? Of course. Yeah. Know, all drugs. And all drugs that I, that I had a chance to, to try. And, you know, I'm, like I said, once again, you know, it's not to say, oh, go ahead and try, you know. No, no. It, I think that we're having honest conversations about this. And honest conversations lead to the best outcomes always mm -hmm. right like knowledge is power knowledge is control it so is. people can then move forward through life with a more educated view mm -hmm. um and just like look if we're not gonna if if we just say big wave surfing is bad mavericks will kill you big wave surfing is bad mavericks will kill you people will still go out and surf mavericks they'll just do it from a less informed place. Mm -hmm. They'll paddle out at the wrong spot, they'll go out on the wrong days, and they'll get themselves into big trouble. The best outcome that you can have for surfing a big wave is to have a mentor come in and tell you what the dangers are, what the rewards are, and how you can navigate that experience as safely as possible. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we're doing here, which I, I'm, I love that you're open and honest and willing to talk about this oh, kind of, of stuff. Of course, I was with Pete. Peter Mel and, and John Mel this morning when he had a conversation about it, you know, and what I said to to John, uh, I know how it, it is hard to to educate your kids because I'm a father also, just like Pete, you know, he has two kids, I have a couple too, a daughter and a son, and what I say to my kids and what I said to John is, we went through a lot of experiences in our life, not all of them was a good experience, so. The least that I can do for you as a parent, I have to be honest. I have to open my emotions. I have to open my thoughts. I have to be honest to you. I have to tell you everything that I live so you can learn from my experience. And I'm sure you're going to still have a lot of challenges in your life. But I hope they are different than mine because that's the meaning of life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's the meaning of life. If I come here to your podcast and I wear a mask, I'm wasting your time. I'm wasting the time of everybody that is listening to us. You know, I don't want that. You know, this time that we are having together here is the unique time of my life because I cannot reward anymore. You know, I cannot go back anymore. This is the only time that I have. You know, that's the present. And if I'm here faking it, Okay, I'm losing it. Yeah. It's not you. It's not them. It's me. So what have your experiences been with psychedelics? Well, um, I can tell you that psychedelics, drugs, is not the meaning of my experience in life, you know. I can tell you that uh, to build my character in life, I went through a lot of things. And one of them was using drugs. You know, so I started with alcohol because I wanted to be tough. You know, I, I tried tobacco, but it was really hard. You know, I couldn't take a, a, a breath with tobacco, you know. So I, I started with, uh, with 13 years old, 12 years old, I started to drink. And with 13 years old, I started to smoke marijuana just because I wanted to be able to hang out with the older guys. You know, I wanted to be, you know, the 
the young kid, the tough kid to hang out with them. And then, you know, I, I tried mushrooms and I tried a little bit of cocaine and, and, and then later LSD. But in all points, it wasn't the drugs itself. In my whole life, and it's still the same reason why I'm alive and the same reason why I wake up every day and I get motivated to be alive. I had in my mind these ambitions of knowing myself, of understanding why I'm here and getting to, to know myself Better, more better, deep, more deeply, deeper. Yeah, and and, you, and I, I would imagine that you're the kind of person who likes putting yourself in situations where you really um, get to test what you're really made of. Yes, because I didn't have any coach. Yes, I didn't have any uh, physical trainer. I didn't have any manager to take care of my career. So I did the whole thing mostly by myself and copying friends. You know, monkey see, monkey do. Sure. And well, and I'm very proud of it you know and i don't want to fake it so if people think that i'm a reference as a surfer as someone that did well and it's a professional that can manage to live a life and live her life and you know be able to support a family and having kids and provide education and health someone that is successful well, I want them to know the truth. Sure. You know, I, I had a lot of problems. I went a lot of, I know, ups and downs in my life, but I stick to the good. Sure. At the end, Kayo, the main thing that hold me together, stick to the goods. you know. I wasn't in drugs because I, I wanted to hide, uh, I wanted to, to go away from my reality. I, I was in drugs because I thought it was cool, because I wanted to hang out with friends. And one day, my mother said something to me that was amazing. Listen to that. If you, if you have a kid one day, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, surfing and I, I was smoking marijuana, you know, because I was, you know, able to, to hang out with people that I really like it. And it's cool to be a surfer and it's cool to, you know, smoke a joint and go surfing, you know, and then you, you look around, you're surrounded by those elements that we love so much. And my mother comes to me one day and said, you know what's a drug? And I start to think in, in my mind, oh, my God, she knows that I'm smoking. I was around 17, 18 years old. And she comes to me and says, sit here, son. You know, drug, it's anything that controls you. So you can do everything in your life. Doesn't matter. But listen to me. Don't let anything control you. If you let anything controls you, that's a drug. Doesn't matter what it is. It can be an act, it can be a substance, it can be anything. Did you feel like there was a point when drugs started to gain more control over you? Yes, yes, you know, and then I, I, I wrote everything on my book. And that's really nice, you know, because people can see that I get involved and then I start to ask questions to myself like, what I'm doing. Before I was doing yoga early in the morning and eating well and sleeping early and training. And now I'm taking a piece of LSD to be happy. That's easy. At what time, at what point in your career um, would you say that it got bad? 
or you had to pause and reflect? Well, uh, I can say that I, I got many points that was up and down, you know. I wasn't consistently up or consistently down, you know. So I was trying, you know. I was really like, okay, let me try this diet. Now I'm going to eat only apples. Now I'm going to eat only... <laughs> How'd the apple diet work out for oh, you? Didn't, it didn't work out, you know. <laughs> I Be tried it for a day. I got really sick of apples very quickly. Yeah, you know. Then I switched to oranges. You know. If, and you then know, to kale smoothies. Yeah, well, but you are 26 years old or 28. 28, yeah. 28, okay. I'm 50. So imagine this. You, are, you weren't even born. And in Brazil, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have internet. And I was trying to do things on my own. Imagine, you know, because I heard, you know, someone saying that yoga is cool and someone was saying that, oh, being a vegetarian is cool, you know, or whatever. I was copying everything. I was reading books and copying diets and doing whatever they were doing just because I wanted to do best. I wanted to do better and I wanted to do my best out there. Well, so I tried. I tried. And that's the point in life. Nobody can take you away from trying, but never lose control on yourself. You know, that's the experience that I like to share. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I have been very honest on my book and I'm putting everything out because I want to encourage people to be able to have the same kind of thoughts that I had, doubts and weakness, but never give up. Because if you stick to the good, it's, if you stick to the main values in life that you have, you're going to succeed for sure. Where do you think your drive comes from? Well, my drives come from human beings. You know, uh, I would never be able to do a podcast with you and feel comfortable because I don't feel comfortable speaking English if I didn't like to meet people. I love to meet people. And I love to make a change or helping people to be more successful in all, in all meanings and happier because I truly believe that if we are, if we are happy, we not go to war. People would not never fight because there is no reason to fight. There is no reason to struggle if you are happy. If you have a soul that is satisfied, if you know yourself, you're not going to fight. You're not going to war. Come on, you know. So uh, I feel that, you know, uh, there are more things than just this moment that brought us together that is very important than just, you know, meeting us. You know, uh, underneath, deep inside, there is a energy that we cannot touch, that we cannot see, that it's much more powerful. And then energy comes from goodness, from love, from being able to understand each other, from being able to see myself in you. I could have been you, you, you could have been me, and you guys that are listening to us, I could have been you. And probably I'll do the same. I'll would, I would listen to this podcast pretty soon, you know, because I wanted to hear my voice. And probably <laughs> I'll be very disappointed with my English and, you know, and my teacher back in Brazil is going to be very disappointed too, but I'm here because I, I wanted to share it. No, I appreciate it. This, this is good story time, man. I love it. Um, so do you think, 
like when you were younger, what were you trying to prove? Like you seem like a very on track guy and you clearly did something to get yourself out of Brazil and on the world tour and winning contests like that doesn't come only just from love of the game and meeting other people. I would imagine that no, there was a point no. when you were like setting up adversarial relationships and you're like, I'm going to fucking of, win. Like, of, of course, like, was, I'm a competitor. You're a competitor. You know, I'm a competitor and I'm a fucking competitor. You know, I want to win all the time. You know, I'm still having that kind of feeling different right now because I'm more mature. You know, I'm more spiritual. It, spiritual uh you have more pers- you have more perspective right like yeah. you can see it from um you can see your life from that mountaintop you can see your career from the reflection that you've done writing a book you're not only in it it, it seems like you have more perspective and that's the the way that you're able to talk about it thank you so right. much you know i wish i could have that brightness in my mind so i could tell you with the same words right. but anyways but like you're, you're, you know, you're it, a competitor. Like, what is that? What did that? What did that look like? Like, bring me into situations. Like, on how did you get yourself onto the big wave tour? How did you? What do you think that you were uniquely good at? Well, I can read well the situation, you know, and I can. After a while, I can see my flaws. I can see my problems, and I can work on my problems. I. To be able to succeed in life, you have to be, to be able to see yourself 306 degrees. You have to see your flaws. You have to see your problems. You have to see your weakness. You have to work your weakness. And that's what I have done for so many years, you know. At first, as a competitor, you, you want to succeed all the time. But as, as soon as you fall, you have to understand why you... you you fall why you fell and and because you fell there is a, a, a much better lesson than when you win because when you win it's easy when you win you know that's the glory that's the good part of the game you yeah, know? you're not it, learning anything you, well you're not learning anything i'll I would say I mean, winning's other, gr- winning's great I'm winning's sure, but great but it's the other way around right. because you are pushing your ego you are always um, thinking that you are better than others or you are too much cocky all the time. So f- coming from Brazil and having so much obstacles ahead of me and having to always, that's a good point, you know. Uh, let me take this jacket off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Here, let's take a pause. What was a weakness that you had to overcome in your competitive surfing early on? Too much ego. You know, too much ego. You think that you're going to win uh, all the time. Uh, I was very spoiled because I was this kid from northeast of Brazil that used to do very well on contests, but it was my state, my region. So when it came to compete against everybody in my country, I did well at first. But after a few years, I started to go down, and that hurt me a lot because I thought I was going to win forever. And then I realized that I wasn't that special because at first you think that we're special and you're a kid, you think, okay, I can beat anyone. You know, I can do best, better than anyone else. Then you realize you were a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. And then I said, fuck, I'm not better than anyone else. I'm just like everybody else. You know, I'm struggling. But at the same time, I was struggling to show everyone else in my family and 
in our society that surfers were human beings just like them because when i said that i wanted to be a professional surfer back on the time when i was 13 14 15 years old start of the 80s was a huge prejudice huge prejudice like people would look to me especially my family would say come on you gotta be kidding that's a sport of vagabonds nobody wants to be a surfer nobody wants to be related to that sport you guys are vagabonds you gotta you guys are not responsible at all and if you think nowadays it's the opposite so that's a very strong point in my life i struggle my whole life to have a word to have a voice to say no you guys are judging the surf face you know, we are hum human beings, just like you. I'm just strong enough to follow my dreams. And that's the point about being a surfer, because my main dream wasn't to be a surfer. I wanted to be close to nature. At first, the career that I chose to myself was to be a, a a pet carrier. How do you say that? A veterinarian? Yeah, uh, yeah, a vet. Yeah, a vet. You I, want to be I, a vet. I wanted to be a vet because I loved... You want to take care of kittens. Well, cats, dog, whatever. You know, animals. I wanted to be surrounded by nature. <laughs> yeah. Monkeys. You know, I wanted to be surrounded by nature. But And then when I found surfing, I said, oh my God, I love this. And the first scene wasn't the sport itself. You know what was the first scene? I will never forget that in my life. I was walking at the coast, you know, and we had this avenue, and I was in one side, in the other side, just near to the beach with the palm trees, with the coconut trees. I saw four surfers on black, on trucks, board charts and boards, and they were very colorful. And I looked to them and I said, no fucking way that's amazing they look so happy no that that was freedom for me that image was freedom for me i didn't see anyone surf yet but i saw the image and i said oh my god i'm so in love i wanted to be a surfer and then i became a surfer but my main dream wasn't to be a surfer i wanted to have a good quality life what i found in surf was the perfect tool to achieve it my main dream, which is to have a quality life, to be able to talk to Kyle Turman today, <laughs> you know, to be able to have a glass of wine in front of a bonfire, you know, with people that I like, that I love, you know. So people comes to me, I do a professional uh, lectures in Brazil, you know, and sometimes people comes to me and say, oh, it's so easy for you to be happy because you live from something that you love. And I say, no, you're wrong. I learn to love things that I do. Yeah, I heard a good quote recently that I really liked, which is, uh, passion is not what you do. It's what you bring to what you do. Of course, all the time, you know. And like I drink this wine passionately. It's not, my, pa it's not my passion, but I'm passionate yeah. about it. And how, how much often do you drink a wine? Um, well... I'm breaking sober January right now, actually doing this podcast with you. Uh, so I haven't been drinking wine all month, and I feel a great clarity of thought. So, but again, you know, I think that back to what you were talking about uh, around what uh, what controls us, whether it be substances or acts. Mm -hmm. um, 
I would probably drink wine a couple nights a week, and mm-hmm. then I was like, all right, I want to- What about you, weed? Do you, do you smoke I weed? S- I would smoke weed maybe like once a week or something like that. Uh-huh. I find that it makes me a little bit cloudy the mm-hmm. next day. Uh, yeah. And my life- in- A little hungover, huh? Yeah, my life increasingly, um, I, I need my mind to be sharp. So, me too. Yeah, so I've, I have smoked weed less and less, and I just didn't- I hate the feeling of blowing it. Like if I'm doing a podcast uh-huh. and I am a little bit hungover and yes. I know that I shouldn't have been, uh-huh. that's on me, right? Yeah, yeah, or if I'm yeah. surfing and I'm yeah. a little hungover and yeah. I'm not surfing as well as I could, like it, I just it, this self-loathing kicks in. I see. I see. You know, I'm like I have the same I'm, feeling I'm, too. I'm, I'm I hard on do, myself. I could so, do better, you know. Right. So if there's it, like uh, if there's something in our control that can make our lives better and it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, why not try and do it? You yes. know, so so for me, yeah, this is like one of the first glasses of wine I've had all month. Sorry, thank you so sorry much for Chris, sharing it. Sorry, yeah. Chris Ryan. I have a friend named Chris, and we're doing sober J- January together. Uh-huh. And now I'm publicly divulging that I'm breaking it. Uh-huh. I'm starting. It's starting to get hot in here, but uh-huh. it's okay. <laughs> yeah, but I think that like whatever it is that we do. Um, Make it like uh, habits control us, yes. right? Habits. Like yeah. most of what we do in a day is unthinking. Yeah. Whether we put our right shoe on before our left shoe, how we drive to work. You ever you ever drive a road that you've driven a hundred times before, uh-huh. and you have no idea how you got to work? Mm-hmm. It's because your habit part of your brain kicked in, mm-hmm. and it's good. It's really helpful for us. The fact that you can stand up on a wave and you don't need to think about standing up is great. But mm-hmm. when we have bad habits in our lives, that's bad. That's bad, mm-hmm. right? So I think that um, it's important sometimes to check ourselves. And yeah, I've never had a problem with alcohol, but I would like, yeah, drink wine a couple nights a mm-hmm. week. And uh, it felt it felt good the last few weeks to not do anything. So you can say that you have a flow in between some drugs just because you wanted to relax. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like you wanted to, you know, like today you're very tired. Or for me, I asked for wine because I wanted to relax because I don't control English as I wish, as I really love to do. But oh, this I'll is a, keep this trying, is a you know? tool for you because man, I, my Spanish sucks, and after a, cl- a couple glasses of wine, yeah. ooh, I swear I'm almost fluent. No hablas español. And I'm, you know, and I speak Portuguese. I ne- don't speak ne- Spanish. Necesito. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I know you speak Portuguese. You speak Brazilian, right? Yeah, Brazilian Portuguese. Just kidding. I'm not that ignorant. Mm-hmm. Um, so you started doing well in competitions, but then you got into larger talent pools, and you uh-huh. felt like you had to deal with your ego. Yes. Um, and that was your weakness. Was there a point when you changed that do you remember a specific competition or session where you really looked yourself in the mirror and had that internal conflict kyle i i don't think you got me right yet you know i i I, my life is not about competition you know uh i love to compete i really love to compete but competing for me and winning for me it's it's the tool to to be able to speak see the world to see the world and and to be able to show my values you know so um as you said you know i i i didn't succeed at first and 
well, I was very disappointed because I couldn't control my ego. And I fell in love with Hawaii when I came to Hawaii at first, when I was 19 years old. And I went back to Brazil and I was a successful surfer because I did well when I got back there. I was the first year of the national tour. And I ended up being at 50 and and the hook of the year. I was young and I was on top and I had my, my sponsors. But then, you know, my ego again was there. I I had to quit right in the middle of the season in Hawaii to go back to Brazil and start to compete in really small and bad waves. And I hated so much, so much because I was losing hits after hits for people that I thought that they couldn't surf in bigger waves. And my ego let me down once again. So one more time I was struggling without sponsors and I need a voice. I need to be back because I wanted to show people how important it is for you to know yourself not only to succeed as a professional because I truly believe that our life has a bigger meaning than being successful and I thought that when I was younger too you know because I was looking for diets to be able to be healthier and do better in my competition and I was looking to spirituality to be able to understand myself better and so many things that I I would try just to know myself and so I'm going to challenge you on something right now because we're talking a lot about passion and Uh following your passion and for a long time I thought that the key to happiness was to follow your passion Mm -hmm. but lately I've been seeing it differently Lately, I've come to understand that no matter what it is that you choose to do in life, it's going to be a struggle. Even if you're a rock star, there's a struggle that comes with being a rock star, right? The, the, the fame, the needing to grind and travel and day in, day out practicing. And a lot of people want to be rock stars, but not nearly as many people want Wants to struggle. They, want to str- they don't want to struggle, right? We, we live in a very um, outcome-oriented world where mm-hmm. we want to be on top, but we don't want to struggle day in and day out. But most of our waking hours are spent struggling, So I I was thinking about this through this book that I'm really enjoying right now called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And um, it's by... That's a good title. Isn't that a good title? Yeah, Uh it's by a guy named... I want to read that book. (laughs) It's by a guy named Mark Manson. And he was talking about how what you should really be asking yourself is not what am I passionate about, but what am I willing to struggle for Mm -hmm. for my life? And if we can choose that struggle, that will lead us to a more satisfying life. Uh-huh. Not necessarily happy, happier, because I think that like the whole idea of fall, like trying to have a happy life is also like sometimes misplaced because happiness is this, uh, it's, an, it's, it's, a balance. A, it's an emotion that comes and goes, uh-huh. right? Like we can be hungry and then we eat and then we're full. It's just, and then it's, we're gonna it's, be a, hungry it's again. a temporary emotion, right? Yeah, it is. So like what's the struggle in your life that you're willing to live in and live for? Well, 
at first. I don't know. I know that that's kind of like an obtuse question, and that was a no, no, no. no, no, no you, you, you were very clear. You know, I, I, I totally understand the point, and there is no meaning for you to struggle so too much to be happy. You know, because happiness is not about struggling. It's, it's more about knowing yourself. I truly believe the more you know yourself, the happier you are because you're not following others. You know, let's give an example to you. You know, people all the time, they are uh, motivating you to buy things or to do things because they want you to be part of whatever they think is right because they want your support, because they want your money, because they they want you to be part of Happy, their life. Happiness Happy. is in a car. It's in a car. It's, or in, it's a in a beautiful girl. It's in money or in it's in spirituality. Whatever, you know, people are selling everything every time for you to be happy. And happiness for me is to know myself because if I know myself, I can take decisions that would be good for me instead of following you, you know, I come to your house and you say whatever, and I would believe that's that would happen no matter I was younger, but not now because right. I, come on, I, I I've been here for fifty years. That's half an, a, a century, you know, and I'm getting more experience and experience, so I can, you know, take my decisions m more clear. And because I'm truly in this mission of knowing myself and seek for happiness in life, I feel more comfortable. So we were talking earlier about how you can learn more from failure than success. Mm -hmm. You get to know more about yourself through ex an experience where you fail horribly. Mm -hmm. um, what have been those, some of those experiences for you that have taught you the most about yourself? Oh my God, you know, all the injuries that I had, you know, well, bring me into a situation. Well, uh, I had a really bad injury in 2003. I, you know, I, I, I kicked out on this wave at Jaws and was a prime times of towing. So I was towing with, with my partner, and I kicked out in this wave, and you know, a big west bow came, and I wanted to save my board, so I started to paddle to go up on the wave to see if I couldn't make it. And I... I Was this a, to a tow day? A tow day, you know. And, you know, you cannot paddle in a tow board. And I had all the life vest with me. And, you know, wasn't that vest that you... you you're paddling like a little five-foot surfboard. Uh, oh, no. Oh, oh no. no. I'm going to make... Oh, I'm no. going to make... And at the end, you know, I tried to push the board over the lip. How big of the wave was it? Oh, I was like 50-footer, you know, and closing out and right in front of me. And so I got back with the lip and I got exploded and I didn't know how to fell very well because we were just learning you know, we were learning everything and so I was very relaxed and I got twisted and I went up cracking my L1 the vertebra so you went over the falls yeah. so you tried to push the board through the wave and, and then you and went I went and I came over the falls with the lip and I caught I I got exploded on the on the base of the wave and the very end of the the wave and I got exploded and I, I got twisted and I end up cracking the L1, the vertebral L1 and the sacral 
on the left side and and the femur head on the left side also. Ooh. So do you rem- do you remember what it felt like underwater? Uh, oh, what terrible! I knew that I cracked my back because so you went over and was it the explosion of the, the explosion lip that the, yeah. broke your back? Because back on the times we used to relax. Because you wanted to be relaxed, so you would save more air. You could stay underwater for a while. And then we started to learn afterwards that we cannot relax so much. Because otherwise, if you, 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 if you have your whole body spreaded, you're going to end up you know, taking you know, your, your legs apart and your knees or your whatever, your shoulder. Yeah, shoulder and knee injuries are yeah. really common. And, and I had them, surface, and I yeah. had them already. You know, I dislocated my left shoulder. So so I ended up having a, this really bad injury that took me uh, out of the water for four months uh, wearing crutches. And who, point, are you, who are you towing with that day? Raudo. Okay. Uh, yeah, my partner. Uh, yeah, we had really great moments together. And back on the times, we didn't have that much crowd, so it was amazing. And I had a lot of testosterone. I was young. I was a kid. I wanted to push my limits, and I was doing well. So I was in the top of my game. So I, I put my guard down. When you put your guard down, when you your ego is so high and you are cocky, that's when shit happens, you know, because you are open. And that's the good thing about being coaching Lucas now. Lucas Chumbo. Lucas Chumbo. You know, uh, I just wrote a message to him after what happened in Mavericks, Jaws, and Nazare, and that article on World Surf League. And I wrote a message to him. I said, congratulations. I'm very proud of you. But listen, in times of glory, your ego, it's a huge problem. So it's time for you to reconnect with yourself you gotta pray you gotta meditate and you gotta use this energy to good things in life because you are becoming a reference and you are represent a sport a community your town your country and you better do well because I was there already and I sent him back to Hawaii I said, you go back to Hawaii. I think it's a good time for you to, to be with your brother, with your girlfriend. But please, be mellow. Be composed. Don't show off. Because now you're open. Everybody's talking about you. It's danger. I've been there. <laughs> so what was the learning experience that you had from breaking your back at Jaws. You were out for four months. There's a lot of time to reflect during injuries. Four months without stepping on the floor, without putting my foot on the floor because I couldn't. I couldn't put my foot on the floor. The doctor said to me, if you step and if you if you have a, a necros, how do you say that? When it's, you've got a blood uh, a compression. Clot. clot. A, a clot yeah. and, and that you know can do really bad and you have to replace your bone had, you know, the femur head I would have to replace. I said, oh my God, no, I would never do that. I did so many physiotherapy in my life that I understand my whole body. And that's the good thing about having all the obstacles. And knowing yourself better, man, right? You know, you know it's, it, it's a good example of yeah. uh, having a, a failure and an injury. 
you know yourself better. Yeah. You know, at first I thought yoga would be amazing for me. But then, you know, being a vegetarian, you know, having these diets and doing a lot of yoga, loosened up my body so much and I start to have a lot of injuries. My too, joints. You had too many injuries, yeah. Yeah, a lot of energy. With my joints, I had to become more strong. Yeah. Stronger muscles, you know, strength with, um, how do you say? Uh, strength, flexi- and fle- flexibility. Strength, and, strength and flexibility. Strength and flexibility. That's Bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah, that's the, that's what you need. Right. You know, uh, sometimes when I see Lucas, he's very strong, but I see he, hey man, you're getting very strong, but you're not working on your flexibility. So let's, you know, work on your flexibility also. So he's got, the, wi- he's got I, the hips of a golden retriever. I, I wish I could I could have someone in my life when I was younger to help me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, man. I mean, look, you're, um, one of my favorite quotes is uh, that you are the median of the five people you surround yourself with most. Mm-hmm. Right. So if he, um, for people who don't know, he's one of the best up and coming big wave surfers in the world right now. Everyone's talking about him. If he has good people like you, to mentor him, um, he's going to be much more successful, right? Just by being around you, even if, even if it's not a direct lesson that you're teaching him, just by being around you, seeing how you navigate the lineup, the questions you're asking yourself before you paddle out, it's going to save him a lot of time and maybe serious injury. Because in big wave surfing, the the consequences are real, so it's really helpful to have a mentor. What happened if your forearm? Oh yeah, I got a big old scar on my left forearm here. What is that? I was uh, a skater. I was skating down a hill and I hit a deer. Oh really? A deer? A real deer? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was a skateboarder and I uh, I broke this arm three times, skateboarding See? twice and mountain biking once because I'm regular foot, so I would always put my left arm I out see. when I would fall, and it's at this point my arm is kind of like a two by four with a um. You know, with, with screws in it where it'll just break right at the end of the metal piece. Okay, I see. So I have metal in my arm. You have metal in my arm. Yeah. And, and years from now, you're going to start to feel a joint just like me. You know, I dislocate my left shoulder. I didn't have surgery because I didn't need. Thank you, God. But I have a pain that comes very often, especially after a really bad wipeout, just like one that I had at the Jaws, you know, wasn't a wipeout, but I got to the end of the, I got to the bottom and then the whole wave just closed out on me and it was really bad. So yeah, injuries can be, uh, great teachers, man. They, I, like when they, I was young, when I was younger, um, I was really into skating and before I started surfing, I wanted to be a pro skater when I was a kid. Um, and a lot of my friends became pro skaters and I see them today, and most of them have sustained serious injuries. Broken legs, broken arms, broken backs, head fractures. And it's been one of... I still feel like I'm in great shape. Like, I, I do a lot of training you better. as well. Yeah, you I'm, better. Yeah. You're 28. If you're not, I'm telling <laughs> you're, you. You're, you're, you're but, in the wrong way if right, you're not, but, but what, I'm, what I was going to say is that, like, skateboarding was one of those experiences... Or it, was, it was one of the first experiences in my life where I realized that I had to dial it back if I wanted to do all the other fun shit that I enjoy doing now, just, mm-hmm. you know, surfing big waves and hunting and, you know, extreme sports like ping pong. I just couldn't keep skateboarding. Hey, Kyle, 
life it's about balance right but it can be a great it can those injuries can be great teachers for us they are right because they we, are. we realize that we're not invincible let me tell you can i can i tell you a quote about what happened between me and lucas you know that he broke his ankle huh? uh when did that happen last year october last year how did he do it let me tell you it's gonna be quick yeah, this is a podcast we have time okay so the he, wine is flowing so yes he comes to me and he says after training you know he has this guy that he trains with it's really powerful you know and we met at this shopping center I was having my English class and he was training and we met same shopping center back in Rio de Janeiro Brazil and he comes to me he's much taller than me. He's much bigger than me. He looks from up, down, and he looks, Master, I am 100%. I'm ready to compete. And I look back to him, and I say, fuck. He said, why? I said, wrong timing. Wait, wait he was talking to you? Yeah. He, he, does he call you Master? Yeah. Really? Yeah. He literally calls you Master? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. He said, Master... <laughs> I am. Wait, I, that's yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas Chumbo literally calls you master. Yes, yes. And so Pe Pedro oh. Scooby too, because I used to train Pedro too, you know. And he came to me and say, "Master, I'm hundred percent." And I look back at him and say, "Fuck, that's not the right time." And he said, "Why?" I said, "Because you're not competing." You can't reach 100% when you're not competing. And he looked at me and say, well, I'm ready to compete. I said, but there is no competition on the horizon. There is no yellow flag. There is no green lights. So I'm sorry. You're not supposed to be 100% now. And I said to him, hey, there is a swell, six to eight foot coming. This was Friday. And I said to him, there is a swell coming next Monday. Let's go to this place, Groomery, a beach close to where we live, to train with our guns. And he comes to me and say, no, I want to surf with a friend. I want to do towing with my friend. I said, okay. You don't want to try your guns. You want to do towing. Okay. What happened? What happened? He broke his ankle. Oh. And that was amazing. Amazing it was the best thing that ever happened to us because we were disconnected. He wouldn't listen to me. I was telling things to him. He wouldn't listen to me because, you know, he's, you are young. You are strong. You're on top of your game. You have a lot of testosterone. How you would listen to someone else? You know, kids, they don't listen to the parents. When I tell you that my passion is human beings, I'm looking to the kids. You know what? The type of conversation that I had today with John Mel, the type of conversation that I have with my daughter, with my son, with everybody else, with you guys on the podcast, you, we have to be open. We have to be honest. If we are not honest, we are wasting time. And kids, they think that they rule. They know everything. It's normal because you're young and you want to be more powerful and successful than us that's nature you better be more successful than me because if you're not more successful than your previous generation you're not doing good so you better 
do better than us, if, but listen to us because we have more experience than you. So do you set up uh, tasks for young Luke Skywalker being Yoda that you are? Like, well, I training at Haliva, you must. Yes. No, I, you know, bringing out big boards, you must. Well, uh, you you know how it is. I I don't know. I'm not a professional coach. I have to really study that. I'm thinking about, you know, taking, taking courses and sure, but you're well qualified. Well, I feel like I I like it. I like it because I like to share, you know, like I've been telling over and over and over, and I like to share, you know. And I have this feeling that I see myself in everyone else. I see myself in the best good heart people in the world, and I see myself in the worst people, worst person in the world, you know, worst person. I see myself because I have all those feelings. It's just a matter of taking care of them, nourishing them, you know, what do you want for your life? If you want good thing in your life, you nourish the good stuff. If you want bad thing in your life, you just nourish the bad stuff. You know, if you harvest coconut, it's because you have a coconut tree. It's not because you have a, a apple tree or pineapple tree. You sure. know, so you always harvesting what you nourishing. And what I want to nourish in my life, it's good things. And I totally understand what is going on in Luca's mind. Not totally, but I have a good clue about what's going on sure. in his mind. Because what, do you, what do you think it is? What do you think is going on in his mind? Well, a lot of power. He's young, just like me and you. Imagine me and you with 20 years old, 22 years old, you know, on the top of the game, like being like quoted as one of the best surfers. How old is he? 22. 22. Oh, wow. 20, 22. And everybody's talking about him, you know, and, and, and that's a problem. That's a fucking huge problem. You know, that's dangerous. That's really dangerous. And for me, it's like, okay, red light, emergency. Okay, put yourself down. Put yourself down. Keep yourself composed. Go meditate. Go do yoga. You know, you're not better than anyone else. Come on. It's a long run. You know, it's a marathon. If you wanted to be a, a successful surfer in the world, in the world, you have to really be composed. You know, you have to really understand yourself and be able to cope with these challenges. So I see myself a lot in Lucas because I've been there already. And I used to not to listen to my parents. So when it comes to be a, his coach, I always put myself in a position that i not pushing him to do things. I just tell him. I tell, I don't think this is good for you, but you are free. You do whatever you want. That's the best way to, to, to do it, because if you say, tell them not to do it, that's exactly what they're going to do. You do whatever you want. It's your life, Lucas. I don't want you to live my life. I don't want to live your life. We are, we, we are different. You have your life, I have my life. You take your decisions, I take my decisions. But I'm, dish, I'm just showing you what are my feelings. And I think they are helpful if you have enough humble. Humble tea, how do you say that? Humility. Humility. Yeah. Humility, you know, to, to understand it. 
Yeah, well, it's good advice because there's a lot of people, a lot of young people in big wave surfing who do get a lot of press on them at one point, and then they feel that pressure the following year to perform, to catch that crazy wave, and it doesn't always happen, and you see people who will then put themselves in stupid situations to try and get that and all of a sudden their sense of self-worth becomes externally located and they're chasing something just to be okay with themselves to try and stay on top rather than riding the ebbs and flows of life that will inevitably come. I tell you what, it's easy to get on the top, but it's much harder to be on top for a while, for a long time. You know, to have a successful career career like, uh, to have a successful career like Gary Long, I mean, Greg Long. To have a successful career like Greg Long or Grant Twig Baker or, you know, like Laird Hamilton or, uh, you know, Garrett McKinnamara, you know, guys that are on the the, the big wave scene for a long time. It's not easy. It's not easy at all, you know. And, you know, I see, uh, I witness already a lot of, young talents coming and showing themselves and putting themselves out to prove that they can do it a lot. And, you know, they burn. They burn. After three, four, five years, they burn themselves. They say, okay, I quit. You know, I'm not making enough money. I'm tired of traveling a lot. I have a lot of injuries. You burn yourself. What I'm trying to to pass, not only to Lucas, because I'm not hiding it for anyone. You know, you guys can, you know, just come to this podcast and you're going to be able to access this information, you know. I always thought in this uh, position. I always had these thoughts in my life. You know, once I remember my my partner, Raldo Guerrero, saying that, well, uh, uh, Carlos, and, well, I... I don't want anybody else to know what we are doing. And I said to him, hey, look, hey, look, Araldo, I want to share everything because if we are competing with the best in the world, that means that we are the best. I want my competitors to be better than me or at least the same because we need good people around right. us. Well, also, if you're making your training public um, and other competitors are starting to look at your training – they're playing your game, mm-hmm. right? And you're most likely going to be better at your game than they are. So if right? and if they are pushing the limits, if they are training as hard as I wish, they're gonna they're gonna push the sport. They're gonna push the sport. And they're gonna push you. They're gonna bring the sport up. They're gonna do better for my environment, for your environment, for our sport. And that's what I want, you know. I don't want to hide anything from anybody else, you know. I, to 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 be able to shine. To, to shine, how do you say, do, to be bright like a, yeah. a star, to, to shine, to be able to... Have you ever heard the saying, the high tide raises all boats? Yeah, the high tide raises all boats, you know. Uh, wow, sometimes I wanted to translate things that I think in, in Portuguese to English, but there is no... No, you're doing no, great, man. Is, I'm very there impressed is no, with your English. There is no sense. But, it, you know, I have this kind of feeling in my life, you know. Everybody can do good. There is space for everybody, you know. And if you want to do good by putting people down, that's not good at all, you know. Like, you can bring everybody on the same boat, you know, and just say, hey, the life is here for you, for me, for everybody else. You know, it's just a matter of putting your time. If you want to struggle, struggle. You know, if you want to put time to, to, to be successful, 
put time to be successful, but nobody's pushing you to do anything. The main thing in life is be comfortable with yourself. Know yourself. Because if you're happy, you are helping people to feel help, to feel happy. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned Greg Long. I, I have a lot of respect for that guy because he doesn't seem to have any attachment to holding on to his success. And I've, I've seen him many times use the publicity that he gets and the recognition that he gets to move that energy through him and shine the spotlight on other people. He's always like lending people boards, helping them out with flights. Like, and I think that that has been a, a an intelligent move on his part because it it's allowed him to stay on top for that long because he's not he's not in a scarcity mindset. I could say that I want to be like him. You know, my next step would be uh, being like him and you know being very comfortable where I am and not as competitive as I'm still and oh he's still competitive you guys are all competitive who are on we the big are, wave world we tour. are but I was I was talking to Mara about it you know and when that's something that belongs to us you know third world country people you know especially Brazilians because I know the Brazilians you know we we are always survive you know we are always on the survival mode we want to to succeed because there is no middle term for us. Or either you succeed or you fuck. In Brazil, there is no middle. Over here in America or in Europe, well, you can have a good job or a side job and you can manage it to have your life. Right. And you can have a good life. You have a car, you can rent a house or you have your own house and you know the public system, it's very good. You have nice schools and everything else works. And you have a good life. In Brazil or somewhere else where it's third world country, we don't have that. So I still have this mind that, man, I have to be successful. I have to be successful. I'm not spoiled at all. I'm not spoiled at all. You know, I am in a constantly move of I have to be successful. If I'm not successful professionally, I am fucked. That's why I look up to guys like Greg Long and even you that it's younger than him and say, wow, one day I want to be more like this. I'm, I'm getting to that point already. You know, I'm getting closer to you guys because I'm getting more satisfied with my career. I have my name. You know, I'm very successful with things that I'm doing. I have some money. I have... Did some material success. So if I combine everything together, you know, my emotions and my spirituality and my career, I'm getting to the point where I've, I'm feeling more comfortable. But I, very honestly, you know, coming from a third world country, I remember Twiggy, we were talking about that, you know, and we looked to each other and said, come on, we, uh, or either you are successful or you're Fuck. Yeah, so he's from South Africa. Yeah, you know, and we we got almost the same situation, you know. Did you come from a poor family? No. No? No, good family, but, okay. I mean, not with a lot of money. Right. If, was a, if, if I was expecting from my parents to send me abroad or to 
to have a school abroad country, I would never be here. You know, right. so I I can't say that surfing was your opportunity to see surfing, the, see the yeah, world. Yes, yeah, surfing was my major opportunity for right. sure. Do you feel um, like? Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like you know the quote: "The um, the poorer the neighborhood, the better the boxer." You ever heard that quote? The poor, the, the poor, no- the oh, neighborhood, yeah, yeah. the better the boxer. Right? No, so I like, haven't heard, but I can like, I can understand. Do you, like, do you think that that is um, that the economics of Brazil are the main reason why you're seeing so many young kids come out of? that country and taking over in surfing both on the big wave scene and on the the world surf league do you think that it's purely the economics or do you think that it's a combination of economics as well as culture i would say it's a combination right you know, because that. there are a lot of poor countries in the world you yeah. know you don't see kids from nicaragua coming out and taking over like it's well, not but, a perfect but, formula but brazil it's a huge country right. with a, a long coast with a lot of surf even though that it's no good i mean it's not the best but it's very consistent and it's tropical you can go in the water all the time but mexico as well we can go in the water all the time but there is a combination of factors you know we are maybe our people they have abilities to surf and our personality also we are very competitive and our geography, because we have uh, a lot of waves and good weather all the time. And, well... Like, what are some... Sorry, and the economy. Yeah. At the, at the end, it's the economy, you know, like guys like Adriano de Souza, you know, he had no other option, you know. He had so many options, but surf was probably his best option, you know. And you have to do well. That's yeah, the point. Right. You, know, you have to do well. If you're not doing well, I'm sorry. You're not going to be here with Kyle drinking wine, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, Kyle. Kyle, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you, um, like, describe that for me, um, like, growing up in Brazil? Like, what's a, what does a conversation sound like that, like, a parent will tell a mm-hmm. kid, you know, in Brazil that you think is mm-hmm. unique? Today or back on the times? Like today, you know, like you're seeing kids like Felipe Toledo and Gabriel and those kids, like they have a drive to win mm-hmm. that is unique. They have a fire that is burning, have, yeah. that is taking the world by storm. These are, en- they are enigmas to the rest of the world. And there's something in that. And uh, you're a part of the country. So I'm trying to glean a little bit of knowledge you know, around I'm, like. I'm what- feeling, I'm feeling bad for my crew. Do you want to go out and, and have dinner? Yeah, yeah, very tired. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're almost there. Uh, yeah, let's let's finish no, up. No, they they go they go out. I stay here with you because I like to talk. And you okay. guys can you guys can bring something for me, please. No, no, we're almost done. Let's let's uh, sure. yeah let's go like another ten minutes. Was, then we can then we can starting. go to dinner. I was just starting. you're just revving up. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, well, uh, I can say that nowadays. Um, I see a lot of fathers, parents pushing uh, young kids to be a surfer because we have a phenomenon in Brazil, which is uh, Gabriel Medina. He's uh, a very popular, just um, close to Neymar, which is a professional soccer that is very well known around the world. And... Back on the times, you, you couldn't see any parents pushing kids to 
to surf, no, just few of them, you know, some of them were related to surf already. Right. But nowadays, if you see or you listen that your kid is a talent in surf, you see the parents pushing them to become a professional surfer because there is a career. There is an opportunity, you know, and some families are living out of that. In poverty, if you make money, a, a good amount of money a month, you know, you are able to sustain your family. You are able to provide fa your family with health and, and education and everything else that you need, the basics. So it's much different than when I started, for sure. Yeah, as you said, your parents thought you were going to be a vagabond. They weren't supporting you to surf, whereas yeah. now you have a lot of these references that people can point to and yeah. say, oh, Gabrielle's making millions of dollars a year. We and should he try is. and go for that, and too. And he is, you know, and, and Maya Gabera and Pedro Scobie and, and Adriano de Souza and Felipe Toledo and so on. You know, even the other guys, the Brazilian Storm crew, you know, they don't do as good as these guys that we just mentioned, but they... They do very good, you know. If you if you are able to to join the CT crew and do the main events, if you lose on the first round, you're gonna end up making ten thousand dollars, and that's a lot of money in Brazil, you know. That's a lot of money. Plus, you have your sponsors. So what do you think is unique to Brazil? Like you were saying that it's a a combination of economics and culture i'm just trying to get a little bit b better vision of like okay because everyone's one everyone's like man what is it what's in the water down there what are people doing but i i it must be something it's a mindset that people have i would i would say it's the mindset i we are very competitive we are very uh how can i say that uh we we want to show off all right. the time like we we like to talk loud Latin people, you know, if you, well, Latin people, they come from Europe, but Europe, it's cold most of the time, but you get Latin people and bring to a tropical country. That's Brazil. So we like parties. We like to talk. We like to show off. We are very ego. You know, we are very competitive and we have a big country. We have a strong economy. Unfortunately, we have really bad politicians. A lot of corruptions, a lot, a lot of criminality. But aside from that, we have all these things that I just said to you, and we have a lot of talent. You have a country that's behind we the talent hungry. too. We yeah. are very hungry. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, Brazilians are hungry. Brazilians are fucking hungry. You know, that's the point about Brazilians, you know. Because if I'm not hungry, I'm going to die. You know, I, I just spoke to my wife. And, you know, I'm supposed to be here just for a week. And we already changed our tickets for one more week. And we are about to change our tickets again. And she asked me, are you comfortable with that? And I said, honey, I really miss you. I wish... I miss you, I miss our son, I miss our life, but I'm working hard to keep up with our life. I'm working hard to keep up with our dreams. And well, I think that's a good point. You know, what can motivate me more than my life with you? What can motivate more me than my kids and be able to support them and be able to spread this energy, you know. 
And I've, I've been honest with you. Sometimes I feel that I'm very selfish, ego trip, that I'm very competitive. But uh, I bet you, 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 you feel the same way. And it's about you and me or whoever it's listening to this podcast to control your emotions and be able to dri direct your energy to the right point. You know, I was talking about that with Pete today, Peter Mel, you know. Well, we all have our flaws. We all have our problems. But we have to focus our energy on good things. You know, I'm bringing up my flaws, my problems. I did that in my book. You know, I had enough courage to put that up. Not every scene. I wish I could put every scene. I didn't put every scene because I would talk about others and I I don't I didn't think I had the right to talk about others, you know, even though that I, I put names on my book because I wanted it to be legitimate. Yeah. But when we first start here, we we said that I'm not here to waste time. I don't want you to waste time. You know, so I'm here and I'm totally here. I'm opening my heart, my soul, my emotions to you. And that's how life should be. You know, I'm not better than you. I'm not better than you. I couldn't be you. You know that. Yeah, man. It is by complete chance that we were born into the bodies that we were born in and we're here. And it's a great conversation, man. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Let's uh let's go grab dinner because we've got a hungry TV crew yeah. that uh ready to go eat. But that was over an hour and um some damn good stories, Carlos Berlay. I want you to edit that and take all my English mistakes out of this tape, please. <laughs> you're That'll be good. hard. <laughs> you're very good, man. Your verbal fluidity is off the charts, my man. No, you know, you know what, I, guys, everybody that is listening to it, you know, I have a lot of difficulty to on my English, and I know why. Because when I was young, I had this teacher, and he used to smoke a lot. And I hated. And my mother used to push me to do these classes because I wasn't doing well at school at my English classes. And I really hated. So I got traumatized. And, well, took me so long to be more comfortable. And I couldn't speak because when I got to Hawaii at first, when I was 19 years old, if I was speaking English in really bad accent, people would recognize me and say, he's from Brazil, he's a Howley, get out of here, Howley. So I couldn't speak English, and I couldn't speak Portuguese, so I got over-traumatized. <laughs> and, and then, you know, and, and, and I, I started to, 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 to speak in English late, very late, when I was over 30 years old, and now I, I'm back on my English classes, you know, and, and my dream is to be able to express myself one day fluently in, in English. And I promise that I will keep trying. Well, hey, man, you just did a whole <laughs> podcast in English, and that's a blast, and, man. And, and, You're the man, Carlos. And I love this. Hey, that's why I really accept, uh, the, I accept the invitee, you know, because I knew if I fail, I at least would try and nobody can take you the chance of trying if you want to try in life go ahead and try i think that you probably just summed up the key to all of your success right there with that mindset <laughs> <laughs> 
hey, you might fail, hey, but you're gonna go try. Yeah, you better try, brother. And where's your book? Well, if people want to read your book, where what's it called? It's uh, it's it's funny because uh, the title is Professional Surfer. Okay. And at first, I didn't like much because I think it's very square. It's out though, right now. It it is. Okay, I'll, been, I will link to it on the no, website. No, but it's not in English yet. Okay. It's in Portuguese. Well, people can use it as a way to learn Portuguese. Yes, they do. They do. They can really do it. But, you know, uh, uh, well, I, I'm i very satisfied with it. You know, I'm sleeping well because I, like I said at first, you know, uh, I, I put everything and I opened my heart and I was very honest. And Love well, it. Let's get this bitch trans- translated into English. And yes, yes, yes. On but the bookshelves. It, but it's not about surfing. It's about life. It's about life, it, which is more important than anything else. It's a great conversation, man. Thank, Thank you very much. Thanks for taking the time to sit down. Thank you, too. That's our show, everybody. Hey, before you take off, I want to let you know I wrote the latest story for Patagonia on their blog, The Cleanest Line. It's about a shipwreck in Todos Santos. So if you'd like to read some of my, uh, some of my writing, head over to their website. I've also linked to the story on my Instagram profile. As always, get in touch with me with recommendations for new guests, feedback on how I can make this show better. If you're still listening to me rambling right now, chances are you're a weirdo and we'd probably get along. I've met so many cool people as a result of doing this podcast and uh, seriously, I, I enjoy connecting with you all. All right, I got some good episodes coming out in the days and weeks ahead, but until then, get in the water, give someone a high five. Um, the world needs more people like you. And I'm going to play you out with a song called Talk It by a band known as Jackie Zealous. They're from Santa Cruz. And I will link to their band page in the show notes on this episode. All right, guys. See you soon. Washing my